Good morning, Ben Along. Good morning, Good morning Ben Along. <laughs> no, I'm RD. You're Ben Along. Do you know? Do you know who you are, Douglas? Uh, I think so. Hope so. Um, yeah. Morning, boys. Um, yes. G'day. Um, how's How's your week been, Douglas? Yeah, good. Just been, yeah, pretty excited about the election, really. More excited than the federal, I think, which is weird because everyone sort of knew what was going to happen. Yeah, um, well, yeah, look, that's that, that's right. We'll, we'll get on to that as a, a first topic. What about you, Ben Along? How's your week been? Uh, pretty well. Uh, just a bit of an identity crisis. I'm not sure who I am or what's going yeah. on. So, <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Douglas. Ah, good night. All right. Well, look. Let's let's hook into it. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Talking Ozpol, the official podcast of the Australian Politics subreddit. It's the twenty seventh of November, and today we're joined by Douglas and Benalong. Uh, we've got a lot of topics today, and if we don't get through them all, we'll likely talk about them on the next week's show. What we're going to do cover today is. First off, the Victorian election results. That's our, our main topic. We're also going to look at Zali Stegel's push to criminalise lying in political ads, Labor planning to boost whistleblower protections, mining industry threatening to start an advertising war with Labor, and New South Wales passing uh, the Australia's first coercive control law. But the Victorian election results are top of the, the list and on our minds. Let's lead off with you, Douglas. Give me your uh, opinion and impressions. Right. Well, you know, first I'd just like to say I think it was a great night for Victoria. Not to do with the results, though, just that we didn't have to um, see Benelong follow through with his wager about Matthew Guy <laughs> being Premier. <laughs> Just, no, just, no, no, just, just why are people? Now, now I know how Kamal feels. Why are people so unkind? <laughs> just, just for people who didn't catch it from an earlier um, episode, if Daniel Andrews didn't cross a line, Ben Along was going to do a nudie run around the MCG. He was going to come back, fly down from Queensland specifically for it, drop the Dax and go for a trot. So, uh, look, I'm probably on your side on this one, Douglas. Sorry, Ben Along. Yes, so am I. I've, I've seen myself in the mirror and it's not pretty. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> um, yes, but so to the to the actual nine itself, um, well, let's start from who it was. Let's go for the ABC-style winners and losers. So you'd be pretty happy if you were a green. Um, they've done well. They've, they're looking at uh, retaining all their seats and also maybe two or three gains we don't know yet uh labor being returned obviously you're happy with that and returned in majority uh and the nationals did well as well they picked up uh two seats i think in the rural those rural independents and they got one they got more well which was notionally labor uh and the teals um we're still waiting to see what's happened there on, mm. in Mornington and in Hawthorne. It doesn't look like they're going to be getting anywhere in queue. Uh, bad night for if you're a rural independent, which, as I just said, they just got taken over by the Nationals, really. Mm. Uh, if you're Glenn Drury or a Freedom Party-type person, it was a quite bad night. Uh, the upper house is looking like perhaps even better than... Uh, the previous one was for the Andrews government, uh, very sort of friendly, and the Drury parties just have not done well. Uh, there's no, there's, n I don't think there's any Darren Hinch members uh, current, well, well, looking to be re-elected. So mm. uh, Catherine Cumming has been turned into Red Mist, and um, <laughs> really, the uh, the oh biggest loser of the night really was the Liberal Party and Matthew Guy. So, mm. you know, Matthew Guy, he in my he deserved to lose this, right? But I I feel I almost feel sorry for him because he clear like in that I, I don't know if you've read it, the article where it's sort of uh, it was like a profile piece about how he went to the beach after he lost the last election and he was talking about how when he was a kid he wrote in his school books, Matthew Guy for Premier. And just as an aside, 
why wouldn't you want to be prime minister? That's sort of, you know, shooting for the clouds, isn't it? Um, Okay, that's interesting. But, yeah, I just find that weird. Anyway, um, so, yeah, poor poor Matthew Guy, really. Um, So he came out and... Uh, he gave, he um, considered the election. He didn't resign as leader though, which was weird. Even Scott Morrison resigned when he lost. But uh, maybe he's waiting to be, you know, uh, spilled against instantly. But um, so yeah, that's yeah. There might much. be more. Might be more to come on on that. Mm. Uh, yeah, look, it's I, I'm probably I, I tend to agree with your your sentiment. I think it's interesting your comments you made with the the teals because I'm down on the Mornington Peninsula, and um, I'm over on the Hastings side, so it's looking like we we may have uh, Paul Mercurio. I last I looked, that hadn't been settled, but he was just edging edging ahead. But um, uh, Kate Lardner, when I heard looked last night, uh, she was just ahead, but I saw the notification or the the, the footnotes on the ABC site that said that the postal votes had been coming in and the postal votes seem to be tipping it back in favour of, uh, what's his name? Is it um, Chris, Chris Cruther? So it's, so at this point it's still, it's still up in the, it's still up in the air, but uh, yeah, it's look, even, even if Cruther gets across the line, uh, it's a little bit of a shot across the bows. Yes, there's definitely um, one of the more successful Teal campaigns. And mm. something I also sort of noticed was the from what I was seeing, uh, everyone was sort of giving away Q as like the most guaranteed Teal gain, but it seems to be the most resistant to the uh, Teal campaign. And it looks like um, the woman whose name I've forgotten, who's replacing Tim Smith, uh, she looks like she's going to be in and apparently uh, I think who was it uh, it was that you know the sad liberal bloke who was sitting next to Kos Samaras and he was saying she could be the you know next leader as soon as she get into, gets into parliament oh, right. um, you, you know the bloke I'm talking about RD the um, you yeah, talked I'm, about I'm, him at the federal election yeah I'm, I'm blanking on his name as well. You, you said something about how he was like a character from Peanuts or something? Yes, yes. Oh, if it comes to me, I'll t- <laughs> sorry, just when you said the sad liberal bloke, I thought, well, this election, that's sort of a few of them. Look, if it comes to me, yes, he did. It, I, I remember that comment now. I can't rem- I can't remember the, uh, the, the person, but sorry, go on with your point. Mm. Um, yeah, so... Well, that was about it. You know, the, the Teals, I think, besides Mornington, where uh, it's still up in the air, and Hawthorne, which is, I'd argue, probably the most important seat this election because it decides whether uh, John Pajuto gets into uh, the Liberal mm. Party, the Parliamentary Liberal Party, and if he does get in, then he's a very good shot uh, at the leadership and... Well, getting the Liberal Party back into electability. Uh, yes. In fact, I think I can't remember if uh, you, myself, and Apricot, uh, or just Apricot, had discussed that previously. Uh, what a potential benefit that could be for the Liberal Party. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's still, um, even if he does win, that implies that the uh, sort of very the conservative majority within the Victorian Liberal Party uh, choose to elect him rather than, you know, I don't know. I don't. I really do not know who's in the Victorian Liberal Party. They could have, you know, some crazy conservative they want to put in. But what the, I think the Liberals, they obviously have to, you know, look at themselves and work out yep. what they want to do. Uh, so pre-sele- pre-selection, obviously work on who you're pre-selecting. You know, if you've got somebody who doesn't like, you know, he hates childcare and Aboriginals, mm. may, maybe give him a miss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just 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 read past the first paragraph of the resume. Mm, yes. Um, and then 
uh, the sad, the, your, the, your mate RD, the sad liberal guy, was talking about <laughs> quotas of women uh, for the Liberal Party. Um, and uh, perhaps I thought perhaps maybe they could look into quotas for moderates because if they keep putting in these conservative uh, candidates in these, especially in the uh, inner east, southeast, those sorts of mm. areas, uh, their vote's just going to keep going backwards and backwards into these areas that... Uh, well, they've historically been strong in. And um, mm. they've also, you know, really got to get in their image. They've got to start looking more moderate and less conservative. But, you know, will they? That's the question. Will they? So so basi basically you're saying if the Liberals just get a, a new leader, choose better candidates, listen to their... Uh, electorate and actually get some policies that people care care about that could be a winning strategy well it could be a gaining seat strategy rather than a net loss strategy as we've seen at this election um which is i mean it, oh, they had not... a labor had a six percent swing oh they might i might not be a net loss for the yeah, yeah. coalition but the liberals Right, right now, the ABC has it as, as a net loss, but I think it might not. It might end up as like zero or plus one eventually. Oh, yeah. Look, sorry, I was. You, you're right. I was thinking the. Uh, I had it. Uh, the, uh, the the Liberal National Party's seats have gone up from 2018, where it was 21 to hmm. 24. But you, you, you're right. That's that's including the success of the the National Party. Look on yeah. the, the 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 seats. Uh, uh, Labor at, at this point, currently Labor have uh, 40, 49, Liberal National Party 24, Greens 4, um, and have been doing well. I think uh, uh, Samantha Ratner, the Victorian Greens leader, was justifiable in the in using the high, a bit of hyperbole in saying there's been a, a, a green slide. I think that was a, a fair enough comment, though. But what I uh, look, and we might we can get on the greens in a tick. But I, I wouldn't mind getting your and uh, Ben Along's opinion at this point. And I think we've got eleven seats in in doubt. At this point, it's not looking like an overwhelming victory for Labor, and it seems to me that we're seeing a a mini version of the federal election, where voters have been turning away from the two two major parties as i said we've still got 11 seats in this doubt but the, in doubt but at this point alp ha haven't had a runaway victory so what do the what do the two of you think um well i think label probably ended up with 53 to 55 so around where they started um but i do feel like we're leaving ben along out so i'll let him have a go yeah oh, oh hang on i was just having a bit of a snooze there um... <laughs> I'm 62, come on. I, you know, um, I need me little naps. Um, yeah, I was also quite surprised that, um, what's his name, Matthew Guy, didn't um, resign. But, um, you know, it's going to be difficult to find another leader of the Liberal Party. I mean, there's only 15 of them at the moment. Um, on the positive side, there's so few Liberals and Nationals that pretty much all of them will get a shadow ministry. So, hmm. um I was just sort of thinking along that lines. And, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like, um, Labor only got 37% of the vote um, and LNP between them got um, 41. So it wasn't overwhelming for it. I think others got around about 17%, wasn't it, Adi? Douglas? Somebody? Yes, that's, that's about right, yeah. So... Um, the others done quite well. Uh, I was quite um, happy that the Greens got four and possibly five. So, um, yeah, they certainly um, gave Liberals a bit of a run for the money. So um, there wasn't that much swing against the Liberals, really, I think about 0.7% um, compared to point, about 6% swing against the Labor. Um, Greens only got a um, minor sort of swing in their favour, 0.3%. So I don't think there's any real surprises there. It's pretty pretty much um, what everybody's expecting, I think. Um, I agree with Douglas. I think they'll go um, out to 53 to 55 seats. I will actually say a specific number. I reckon they'll get 55 seats. 
Okay. So. Okay. Would you like to make any sort of um, maybe run bets <laughs> no, about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I dodged. I dodged a bullet. I, you know, I was a pretty safe bet was Liberals not winning, but um, mm. yeah, fifty-five is a very specific number. So. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah, look, I mean we, we all dodged a bullet in me not having to run naked around the MCG. So everybody mm. dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah, do, do you see it uh, as a, a sort of microcosm of the, I suppose, the, the, the mindset of voters that we saw in the, the federal election, or is that drawing too long a bow? I think, yes, there were similar sort of feel, like the inner west absolutely um there were major swings and Matthew Guy said you know uh it was a swing halfway to government but the thing is if you've got these swings which are all in seats that will never elect a liberal member then you're not actually you know got you don't actually have a swing halfway to government you've got a swing halfway to nowhere uh you've lost they've they've well they're they've lost seats the liberals have lost seats in the inner east which is where the actual marginals are, yep. and that's where Labor have succeeded. So yes, Labor has had a big drop in their primary, but I don't expect this to become a trend. This was a sort of, uh, you know, have a go at Andrews uh, and his lockdowns and all the sort of emotion that was from that. And yep. so the once I think what well, this is what I think Labor needs to do. Uh, they need to move on from Andrews as soon as possible. So, you know, once that bronze is set on his statue outside of Smith Street, uh, you know, whether it's health reasons, another trip down the steps or something, um, uh, we've just, they've just got to, <laughs> we've just, there's the Freudian slip. Um, they, they just have to... Uh, move on, you know, put in whoever, Jacinta, I saw Jacinta Allen on the, the ABC coverage, which is what I watched. Right. Uh, and she seemed sort of still eager to score political points, both against the liberals. She was often referring to the uh, preferencing of extremists and then talking about the Greens and their what was she? I forgot what she was having. She was having a go at the Greens about something, but yes, definitely uh, a combative uh, person on that cast that night, whereas David Davis was sort of, oh, I don't want to say anything yet. It's a bit too early to say anything. And oh. then when, once the sort of night went on, you know, well, we've got to sort of think about this and think about what the Victorians have said. Um, uh, yes. That sounds so, a bit milk, a little bit milk toast. Yeah, he's he's pretty hopeless, that David. I mean, uh, he did he did announce that he actually had come up with the number of the costings. I think it was $28 billion that he said uh, it was going to cost for all the Liberals' policies. Not that it matters now, no. um, but that's that's what it would have cost. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Daniel Andrews will stick around until at least February. That's when he becomes the longest-serving Victorian Premier. Um, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays right through for the full term. But um, it's like you say, um, like everybody says, a week's a long time in politics, and four years is definitely a lifetime. So um, I expect him to stick around till at least February or mid next year. And if he's going to stand down, he'll do it then. So. Yeah, look, it's going to be telling to see how he actually gets treated. It's it's really there's there's the words that we hear from politicians, and then there's their actual actions, and it's going to be interesting to see how his party uh, treats them now that this election victory is is locked under the belt. Because you know they're going to be, I think there'll be a number of people looking at this and thinking, ah, oh, potentially the gloss has has gone off. Uh, so I'm I'm interested to see how the next uh, next eighteen months go to tell us how the ALP is going to signal signal uh, their yeah, reverence towards Andrews positively or uh, 
whether he was on the outer but needed to get across the line for this. I think part of that, the longer-serving Premier benchmark, in, in many ways it doesn't mean anything, but in some ways you get in the the record books. We looked, we saw that with, um, who was it that uh, tied with uh, Bradman for the greatest number of uh, runs or something? And he, I'm not a big sports person, but there was a, a, a cricketer and he got, he got equal first with Bradman and then retired. Uh, was it Ricky? Don't Bunny? ask me, Bedelon. Don't yeah. ask me. I don't no, know. It wasn't, uh, Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, we're, we're obviously we've got three the, non-sporters. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, cricket is about as interesting as watching paint dry. So. Okay, well, that's that's a that's a rubbish example. But basically, he got equal to uh, he got equal to Bradman, and then he retired. So his name's always going to be uh, up there with Bradman. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see whether they let Andrews get across the. Uh, the line, or whether it's going to be a trophy they'll take away from him, but the hmm. the actions on that should be should be interesting. But you'd also many you also mentioned uh, being pleased about the the greens been along. Uh, I think it's been so far, and we haven't seen the the upper house, uh, but so far it's been a particularly good showing by the the greens. We saw that federally. We're now seeing it in this election, and, and next year we're going to get a chance to test it out in the New South Wales uh, election. But in this one, uh, they have they've done particularly well. I think it's uh, obviously uh, Labor's got the majority, but there's still going to be things that I expect publicly they're going to have to work with the Greens on and get their support. Yeah, the Greens have got. Um... Probably at least four in the upper in the um, legislative council, um, up from one. So they were one before, um, and the nationals have got two, um, and others have got four. I don't know who the others are, but um, a lot of the other minor parties have lost their seats. So, and we've seen that at the federal election as well, where a lot of the minor parties lost their seats. Um, yeah, I think we only have. Um, Outside One Nation Greens, there's only David Pocock is the only independent in the um, federal Senate, mm. if I recall correctly. So um, this one... Um, I'm Jackie Lambie. Oh, yes, God, yeah, how could I forget Jackie? Oh, yeah, good so call. she's my hero. So, um, But there's a few other minor parties still retain seats... Um, there, but a few lost them as well. So, but the Greens did particularly well, both in the lower house and the upper house. So, I was quite impressed. I would like to see them do better. Um, I know it was unrealistic, but I was had I had great thought about the Greens taking over as opposition from the Liberal Party and Matthew Guy being relegated to. <laughs> but I know it was a it was just a fantasy. <laughs> we can all dream. <laughs> Well, you know, depending on how it goes, we could have a Nationals leading the opposition, we know, which would be very sort of uh, 1940s Victorian politics. Um, mm. which would be there was a stage, stage there last night where I thought they might be in with a shot. You know, they're, um, they're getting more seats than the Liberals, but no, it was not to be. Hmm. Yeah, well, they were they were doing well. Uh, sorry, I just have to pick you up on something, Ben Along. So uh, the... Longest serving Premier of Victoria was Sir Henry Bolte, and that was 17 years. Uh, and so Andrews is actually coming up on the benchmark that he the, um, is coming up on is 3,000 days, which is what Jeff Kennett set to, you know, that's when you get a statue if you've served the Premier's 3,000 days. Oh. Um, and so there's been, I think it was uh, not Jeff Kennett, which is, Funny because he sort of came up with his statue idea and then didn't get it. Uh, I, oh God, I don't want to try and name him. I think it was John Kane Senior, Albert Dunstan, uh, and Sir Henry Bolte, obviously. And then there was a bloke whose name I James something, and he was premier in like the eighteen seventies for ten years, and they never built a statue for him because nobody really cared about him, which is a shame, I think. Huh. You know, he's been okay. he's, he's done the work. He deserves a statue. But, um, yeah, so uh, in all likelihood, yeah, Andrews will be getting that statue. Yeah. The worst one I ever seen was statues on my way to work one morning many years ago, 
and um, I've walked past Suncorp Stadium and the New South Welshman had come up and painted Wally Lewis's statue blue. It was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> disgusting. There was helicopters, there were police, there was everything. It was a major news story up here in Queensland. <laughs> I, hope, I hope they don't do the same to, um, yeah, to Dan Andrews' statue. Oh, look, that's Hopefully a good cor- good correction, Douglas. Uh, yeah, for, I'll, for stay, I'll stay corrected. Yep. Oh, so. well, me, me too. I had that in my head as to – in fact, I don't know where I had seen it that uh, I'd said that, but no, that's a good correction. Thank you. Hmm. It was back um, all through the 60s and the early 70s, wasn't it? Who? Henry Sir Henry Bolte. Uh, yeah, 1955 yeah. to 1972. Ah, okay. Because, and he basically did it because the Labor Party was at war with itself, with the DLP. So, um, like, they weren't really a opposition. Um, they were just okay. fighting. Like, Victoria and I think Queensland were the main sort of states where the uh, Labor Party versus the DLP split was sort of strongest because the sort of Victorian Catholic movement was really where it all kicked off. And so that's where it was um, most felt in the Labor Party. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'll stand corrected on that. And I'm always happy to be, to be corrected when I'm wrong. And yep. Douglas, you're not getting a Christmas card this year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I can live with that. Um, now, here we are, the media. So let's talk about the media's involvement. So mm. where is the minority government? I don't see it. Um, so Kevin Bonham had a tweet, and basically it was that of the last uh, 15 state and federal elections, uh, all 15 of them have been majority governments, and for the last 12 of those elections, or four 12 of those elections, the media uh, proposed that it was possible for it to be a minority government. So, you know, the media just really love to talk up this because it's interesting and it makes it seem like it's closer than it is when, obviously, Mm. as we've seen, uh, Labor's probably going to be returned with maybe a net loss of one or two. So It's it's still comfortable, though, isn't it? Yes, yes. Like, it's a... If you were thinking about 2026 for the Liberals, it's still, I mean, maybe you're climbing Everest and you've got a little bit of oxygen and, you know, you've got a Sherpa guiding you, Um, but it's still very tough. Uh, And also that the the Ian Cook poll in Mulgrave, which was 159 people, uh, which saw, which said that Ian Cook was supposed to win, uh, Andrew's apparently hasn't even dropped below 50% primary. So very, lots of talk, but not much, not much actually happening. Yeah, I think what the media does is they actually try to convince people that everybody's turning away from Labor and you should join the bandwagon and turn away from them too. So I think that's the um, the strategy that the media, especially the Murdoch media, uses. Um a bit sad for Rupert. That's um, the federal election and the Victorian election. He's lost now. So, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. We what's that? Uh, that mean anyway. He runs the Liberal Party, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, okay, I'll, now... I'll shut up now. I'll just put myself on mute. No, 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 no. I just, I, I agree. It's, it's just. Look, look, I get what you're saying, but I, I can't, uh, I can't summon up a lot of um, upset feeling for, for, uh, for Murdoch not getting the manipulations he wanted. You know, I'm, I'm not really shedding much of a tear for the poor bugger. Yeah, me either, actually. <laughs> now, the, the, um, the last thing I sort of wanted to touch on was the Upper House, the Legislative Council, which has nothing to do with government, but it does have to do with uh, governing legislation. Uh, so if I might just sort of run down the line of Kevin Bond's blog yep. post. Uh, so we've got first off North Eastern Metropolitan, uh, which in 2018 had two Lib, two Lab, and Transport Matters, which was Rod Barton, who... Uh, caught a lot, a lot of um, hatred from the sort of Freedom Parties for 
is assisting Labor in passing the pandemic legislation. And so at the moment, that's looking to be two Labor, one Liberal, one Green, and the last seat to be Liberal DLP or Lib Dems. So that's sort of a uh, three left to right split there. Then in Eastern Victoria in 2018, you had two coalition, two Labor, and one Shooters, Fishers and Farmers. And now in 2022, we're looking at two coalition, one of those being uh, Renee Heath, the supposedly uh, they planned to, or uh, Matthew Guy planned to keep her out of the party room. Whether that'll actually happen remains to be seen. Yeah, uh, that was got, a yes. funny, funny comment, wasn't it, from from him? You know, it sounded mm. like it was a bit, bit, bit of sort of pandering. But I thought the practicalities of of doing that uh, would have been another matter. Yeah, and there's not much he can really do. No, uh, with no, and that, you, so. you would expect to if you've also elected that person that you want them to be represented equally in the party. But look, I suppose he. Um, yeah, I suppose he was was saying what he needed to. Anyway, I interrupted you. I, I'd yes, like to I'll, I'll, I'll try and speed this up so we can, you know, get no, no, to go, go, other topic. We um, can, but I'm, I'm also, the Victorian elections are a, a main topic and okay. that you've got this information I think is good. Right. So anyway, we've got these two coalition, uh, one Labor, one Shooters again, and the last seat is between Labor and Legalised Cannabis. So that would be uh, two left, two right and... I'm not sure. I mean, I guess shooters are sort of right, but uh, I I don't really get sort of the right wing vibe from them. If you sort of know what I'm saying. Yeah, like look, they're... I would tend to agree with that. I'm a, I'm a I'm a shooter, uh, not not a member of the party, but I you know I do pistol long arms um, and and hunting. Uh, I think if I had to put them somewhere, it would probably be a little bit to the the right of centre for convenience sake, but they're, they're certainly uh, certainly not more right than that. I mean, d- d- put the demonising that people do aside. Politically, in fact, yeah, there's there's areas where I think, well, I think it could push it a bit more. But uh, I, I think that's a fair comment you're saying. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think sort of libertarian, would that be more appropriate to? Look, to I, I think that would probably be a bit closer as a description, yeah. And, and certainly look for the point of conversation. Let's go with that. Okay, sure. So then uh, we have Northern Metropolitan. In 2018, they had two Labor, one Liberal, one Green, and Fiona Patton. Uh, and so at the moment, it's looking like one Labor, one Liberal, one Green. Uh, oh, why has it only got four there? That doesn't look right. Um, well, it's got four. One Labor, one Green one Liberal, and then the last seat between Labor, Reason, and the Democratic Labor Party, and the Labor and Reason are ahead there. Okay. Uh, so it looks like Fiona Patton will be getting back there. And uh, Northern Victoria, which is that sort of northern rural area, they had in 2018 two Labor, one Coalition, one Darren Hinch, and one Liberal Democrat. And so this time... They've got two coalition, one Labour, one One Nation, and one Animal Justice. Oh. Uh, so that this was the area where um, Animal Justice uh, betrayed the Drury Group, and so they were benefiting from their preferences while spreading their preferences, rather than uh, keeping it within minor parties, actually uh, spreading it with ideologically aligned, so left-aligned parties, um, which is what happened to a lot of... Uh, minor parties and really sort of broke down the uh, strength of the Drury group, which saw a lot of their, like the Liberal Democrats are largely gone. I think they're not around anymore. Oh, I mean, they're not going to be sort of re-elected. Uh, and so that sort of really damaged the strength of the Drury group. And I think if Andrew's sort of, if he wants to, uh, this would be like a good sign to say we could actually have a go at getting rid of the group voting ticket system, which, you know, yeah. it was recommended to them by their own committee and then they did nothing for three, for three years. So, um, yeah, look, that's going to be an interesting one to see whether they do move on on that. They're probably going to be counting figures from this one, though. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so there's four. Okay, so we've got four more. 
I'll yep. just keep moving on. Uh, yep. 2018 in southeastern metropolitan, we had three Labor, one Liberal and one Liberal Democrat, which was David Limbrick. Uh, and then this election, we appear to have two Labor, two Liberal, and one legalised cannabis. So legalised cannabis has done pretty well this election. I think they're looking at Very good. three or something. Um and so then we got Southern Metropolitan, which was two Liberal, two Labor, and one Sustainable Australia. And this time it's pretty much the same, except the Sustainable Australia has been replaced by a Green. Um, right. And Sustainable Australia at that election uh, had 10% of the primary vote of the Greens uh, in that district, but won the seat instead of them because of a group voting ticket system. So. That's, I mean, just that's sort of the main example people point out when they talk about how the group voting ticket system is unfair. Right. Um, and then we have Western Metropolitan, uh, which is 2018. It was three Labor, one Liberal, one Darren Hinch. And then this time it's looking like two Labor, one Liberal, one Legalised Cannabis again, or perhaps Vic Socialist, and then one Liberal or DLP. And then finally, in Western Victoria, we've got two Labor. In 2018, we had two Labor, one Coalition, one Hinch Justice and one Animal Justice. And then this time, it's looking like two Labor, two Coalition and one Green. So we're seeing a move towards the Greens and a move away from these uh, all these different minor parties except for legalised mm. cannabis, obviously, which is interesting. That is that in, is interesting. It's interesting that move, and it's also interesting to see the uh, legalised cannabis party coming up there. I feel like they it they seem to be uh, pretty good on their their messaging and a bit focused. You know, it's been an issue that's uh, been pushed in a number of elections, but to actually get some runs on the board is uh, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that that side. Uh, look, we've got a couple of because uh, we'll we'll do a, a segue over to our next topic. But just while we're on this uh, topic, I wanted to read some of the comments from people in the chat. We've got Conscious Flower who said some very slow counting in some seats. Why does it take so long to count all the votes? Audit now. Uh, and Enoch Isaac has actually replied, and better than I could say, because we do it by hand. They've been trying to make things more digital so we can get results on the night within minutes of closing time. So basically it's just a, a system issue. That's, we, um, I'd just like to say on that, that's, I noticed that for Mulgrave, especially the premier's seat, which was stuck on 8.5% for uh, quite a lot of the night. And so mm -hmm. I saw on social media, there was a lot of, you know, uh, conspiracy theory type people saying, oh, it's rigged, it's rigged. And, right. um, but, you know, it got up to around 50% last night. And so it was obvious that Dan Andrews had been returned. And so um, I'd been keeping an eye on Mulgrave. And so all these sorts of tweets that had been coming out saying, um, oh, good, before the election, they were saying, oh, good people of Mulgrave, make sure you make the right decision and get rid of the dictator. And then um, after it was obvious that uh, Andrews had been returned, they said the people of Mulgrave are such scum and... <laughs> disgusting <laughs> subhuman people uh so obviously they weren't they weren't really they didn't really think of the people of mulgrave as good people just sort of wanting to achieve their own ends there oh probably interesting that they thought of them as deplorable potentially <laughs> uh we also had evil enchilada who said i'm finding it difficult very difficult to be gracious this time around given the toxicity of the campaign this may be the most satisfying political victory ever for me personally. Having to listen to the media and certain Reddit public policy experts on why Victoria hated Dan, why Victoria was going to punish him for lockdowns has been galling, especially when I was sure that it wasn't representative of the electorate at large. Even now, there are plenty of Redditors who only know people who hate Dan, in inverted quotes. I'm so glad there's been a resounding rebuttal of these people. Victoria sacrificed so much to manage COVID, and I feel like these people tarnish the state's heroism with their self-centred rhetoric. So thank you, Evil Enchilada. Uh, Scruffy's Nose says, I wonder how many voted Labor, though, uh, Labor to spite it. Sorry. I wonder how many people voted Labor through spite of Murdoch. Enoch's put in a little cheer, go the Greens, and relatable name, one, two, three, 
Uh, I would love to see this reflected in New South Wales at the next election. Our state's LNP is incredibly corrupt and have an iron grip on the news here, especially considering the recent firebombing on a friendly Geordie's house. So look, that's, uh, we'll, we'll use those comments from people in the, the chat. Oh, and one more, Enoch Isaac. If Victoria legalises weed before South Australia, that would, be, that would be a blow to this South Australian economy. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move uh, from the Victorian election results and on to uh, the next topic, which is Zali Stegel's push to criminalise lying in political ads. Uh, I'm wondering whether it will have ramifications beyond the de debate around an Indigenous voice to Parliament, which is... Uh, what she's sort of hanging her hat on with this particular one. There's an article in Crikey, 24th of November, by Anton Nilsson. There's just a couple of paragraphs to set the scene. Independent MP Azali Stegel will push again to criminalise lying in political advertising with a new bill she hopes will have an impact before the referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament. Uh, Crikey can reveal that a tweaked version of Stegel's bill, which she'll introduce on Monday, will include a defence for people accused of contravening the proposed new rules, as well as specific language to make the rules apply to referendums. Uh, I don't want to see the debate distorted with false and misleading claims as to what the voice would do, Stegel told Crikey. At the moment, there's no price to pay, and I think no price to pay is a, a key word. Ben along, we'll lead off with uh, you. What's your opinion on criminalising lying in political ads? Well, I think after the um, the last couple of election campaigns we've seen, I think it should be extended, actually, to include <laughs> newspapers. <laughs> yeah. So um, newspaper articles, which are in especially in um, like Sky News and the Murdoch media, um, a lot of newspaper articles are basically political ads to try to put forward um, a false view. So um, I think it should be extended to that. Um, we saw in the gay, in the, um, the gay marriage plebiscite um, massive campaigns that were um, giving false information. And I think if we have the same thing as The Voice... Um, it's just going to create a lot more division. So the lying in political ads mm. does create a lot of division within the community because false information is getting out there. Um, there are a considerable number of people, especially in the right wing, extreme right, that um, jump on anything that's said in the media if it suits their um, if it suits their agenda, they will say this is true. Only Pauline knows the truth, or only only um, Tony Abbott knows the truth. You know, if it suits them. And Abbott has sort of indicated that he's going to lead a push against the voice to Parliament. Um, yep. I wouldn't be sort of surprised if Peter Dutton jumps on that bandwagon as well, um, given that he walked out on the apology. So. Maybe mm. you'll walk out on the voice to Parliament too. Who knows? Um, Maybe. Uh, do Do you think it's uh, it's uh, whilst um, uh, Zali Stegel, who's is, is sort of wrapping this around the, or oh, it's not wrap, relating this to the Indigenous voice to Parliament and referendum, uh, it's going to have ramifications beyond that. Uh, how would you see it affecting political discourse uh, going forward? Um, I think it uh, would be useful in future political campaigns because in the last few political campaigns, both state and federal, um, we even had Tony come out and Tony Abbott come out and said, um, it's okay for politicians to tell lies as long as it's not in writing. I mean, huh. so, uh, huh. yeah, there's just this attitude. Um, it seems to be more um pronounced within the lmp rather than labor but that's not to say that labor don't do it as well but just sure. um not as blatantly um yeah um there's only probably two political promises that labor made at the last election or two major ones that they haven't kept yet so um i think in the last federal election they were pretty straight up and down they didn't really tell any lies um we have um, the mining companies are saying that they're going to launch a campaign against Labor about the mining tax, um, 
which is a different matter altogether. Again, that is going to, if Sally Stegall's law doesn't get through, that mining campaign could be full of um, political lies. Um, mm. Not saying that the mining companies are prone to telling lies, but, well, yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I think it has more um, it's has more applications than just the voice to Parliament. I can see Zali Stegall's one that that is exactly that's probably the most pressing one where she yep. thinks it's going to become the most divisive. Um, so um, and I can see One Nation jumping on that bandwagon about the voice as well, and possibly even the United Australia Party. Um, do they still exist? Yeah. No. Uh, no, fed, yeah. Yeah, no, fed, my understanding is fed federally they they don't, and I was a little bit confused with how they exist in in Victoria. I can't remember the expl the full explanation I was given there, but no, federally they've they've wound up. Uh, what about you, Douglas? What do you think about uh, Stegall's push to criminalise lying and political ads? Well, I think. I think it's a good idea in theory, right? But you've got to sort of think about, obviously, there's loopholes for this, right? So if mm. I say I was Craig Kelly and I was running an underground Telegram group chat and mm. I was posting memes uh, or maybe I was posting them under a, you know, an alias. And so it couldn't be connected to me, but for all intents and purposes, it was my campaign that I was running. Um, and that... So I could, you know, lie with impunity and I wouldn't have to put an authorization message because, you know, yep. for all the government knows, I'm not a part of any campaign. I'm just shit posting. Yep. So, uh, yeah, um, that's sort of what I worry about. Uh, and then, you know, you get into sort of silly philosophical questions like what is truth what is lying how truthful do you need to be like because when the abc does their fact check thing um yep. it's often <laughs> it's often uh like they say things like uh so, it's sort of right um so how truthful do you actually need to be does it need to be the whole truth and nothing but the truth does it need to be even a little true yeah, that's look, that's a good, that's a really that's a really good point. I I know you said that it's uh, sort of a bit existential, philosophical, but it's it's a genuine question, and that's a perfect example on the the fact checking uh, for for a fact checking where you think, well, is it right or wrong? And I I can understand the arguments that sometimes you need to have nuance to see a number of things where. They frame it in a particular context and then mould their fact-checking around their choice of how to frame it. Uh, I, I think it it waters that down as a... Uh, I think it waters waters down the, the worth of it. And I've seen it too many times. And it's not, it doesn't go either. It doesn't go one particular way. I think they've done it with uh, both left and, and right. And it seems to depend on their, their personal opinion of the issue where they will say, well, this, in context of these things here, if you frame it that way, this is correct or it's not correct. And whereas I look back and I think, well, forget about putting a context in there. Was it right or wrong? I don't want to know your opinion being inserted into it. So I think that's a good point. Hmm. Yeah. Well, look, sounds like we're all in agreement on that. We might try and squeeze in one more. Uh, that's Labor planning to boost uh, whistleblower protections. Uh, to me, this is a to me this is a, a big plus. Uh, I personally think whistleblowers are treated appallingly in this country and in plenty of other countries. Uh, it seems to be oftentimes a life ruining event. Um, I know that there's lip service saying that uh, we want whistleblowers to come forward. Unfortunately, it seems like uh, when they do come forward, they're frequently pilloried by the people who they're whistleblowing against and they're not really backed up by those in power who are you know, giving the lip service to, to protecting 
whistleblowers. The, there's an article in Guardian, Paul Karp said the Albanese government will introduce amendments to deliver immediate improvements, in quotes, to whistleblowing laws ahead of a fuller review in 2023. Dreyfus will tell an anti-corruption conference in Sydney on Wednesday. Now, we still don't have the, the details, but the fact that they're moving towards doing giving better protections to whistleblowers, I think is a positive. Uh, what, what do you think, uh, Douglas? And then I'll get your opinion. Ben, along, please. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, it sounds good. Protect whistleblowers. Good. Get more sort of people who can go on the record and expose corruption for the National Anti-Corruption Commission. Um, you know, I reckon if we let that, commission run long enough we'll just have a we'll have a one-man parliament it'll just be bob oh. catter in there <laughs> go bob <laughs> yeah i'm a big fan of bob too i, I like him he seems to, he seems to have a good heart he's, he's a bit of a character but yeah that's funny mm. what about you ben how, how do you see how whistleblowers are, are treated in australia i think they're treated um yeah quite Disgustingly, actually, um, this whistleblower legislation needs to be brought in before the National Anti-Corruption Commission um, comes to pass. Um, if we don't have the whistleblower protection, then the NACC is going to fail. It's as simple as that. So they need the protections there, and it needs to be in black and white. It needs to be hard and fast, and it needs to be agreed to by all the parties. Okay, so um, you know, if we, God forbid if we end up with an LNP government in three, two and a half years' time, sorry, um, yeah, they could wind it back, okay? So if they agree to it now, it's going to be very hard for them to wind back. Not impossible. They don't really seem to care what people think about them. But, um, yeah, it basically, we need to get this very strong whistleblower protection laws in place before the NACC can go ahead. That's... Um, my main take on it. Oh, good. All right. Well, another one we're in agreement on. Look, we're, we're going to wind it up uh, up there. We had uh, one more topic, but we might put that over to next week. I want to thank you, Ben Along and Douglas, for joining us the, this morning and bringing your knowledge to it. I, I find it very useful for someone like me who doesn't have your level of, of technical knowledge to have somebody on here who can actually... Uh, fill in that that side and really get into the the dirt so i appreciate that from the from both of you and want to thank everybody who's joined us here today people who participated in the chats the people who uh tuned in uh thank you enjoy the rest of your weekend this has been talking ospol and uh, I did, I did, if I may just say yeah. one more thing. Um, so just to any Victorian listeners, uh, make sure you get down to, you know, your preferred supermarket and pick up some toilet paper and all your sort of essentials before 9pm tonight because uh, we will be having a permanent lockdown and death squads will be roaming the streets uh, and, and Daniel Andrews will be, you know, driving around with a light machine gun shooting anybody who's out. God, you know, Douglas, them, people, you know? there are going to be a certain amount of people that are actually going to believe you about that. Yes. Well, well thank you for that. Thank you for that PSA. And just in case, Douglas was joking. So, yeah, but maybe look doesn't always always doesn't hurt to have a little bit of extra uh, toilet paper in the in the pantry anyway. It's not as if it's going to go to waste, is it? So we are the resistance. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Douglas. Thanks, Metalog. We'll speak to you later. Thank See you. Bye bye.